0: of the family of God. Amen. Amen? I'm glad to be a part of the family of God. Uh, I just wanted to share a little bit about my family. Uh, I have a very wonderful father. In fact, he is the wisest person who ever lived, the richest person who ever lived, and a very extraordinary person. And I have hundreds and thousands of brothers and sisters, and they live all over the world as we saw today from Manila. And they are every color and every age and every size and every shade. praise God. And by now you have probably figured out I'm not talking about my earthly family. I'm talking about my spiritual family. I'm talking about the family of God, the heavenly family. Do you realize that? It's not just, it's not just that this is my spiritual family. This is my heavenly family. This is who I'm going to spend eternity with. And that's why we pray so much for our actual earthly families, because we want them to be our heavenly family. We want them to be with us. But this is a first taste of what your heavenly family is going to be like. We're part of that. Uh, Recently, one of the things that we've had the joy of hearing last night, and by the way, you did a great job, (laughs) As we heard the father or the mother of the bride or the groom welcoming the other daughter-in-law or son, son-in-law officially into the family, right? And it's always great to see that. And I want to say today, whether you've been here most of your life or whether you're brand new today, welcome to the family of God. Maybe we need to say that more to each other. Welcome, welcome to the family of God. Now, I know you're also stiff and concerned about all the protocol, but you can turn to somebody and say, welcome this morning. Maybe you like to do that. Welcome, welcome to the family of God. Glad you're here. I, I just we've just sensed that over the few weeks, eh? Like we're not our, we're all being very, very careful, which is so good because it keeps everybody safe and we want everyone to stay safe and healthy, as we've said in previous weeks. But it does make us a little bit stiff. Right? And so we're wanting you to relax in the presence of the Lord. I remember an old saint at camp meeting used to say, I want you to come relaxed in the Holy Spirit, but I don't want you to fall asleep. There's a difference. But basic. I thought of that this week. I liked that when I, I found that. Basic. Let's get back to basics. Brothers and sisters in Christ. Now think about a family reunion. Any of you guys had big family reunions at some point in your life? Uh, I remember the Williams. We weren't able to come, but I remember the Williams family had a big reunion in the year. I believe it was the year 2000. People came all back to the island to have this reunion together. We like family reunions. We like to catch up with people. And I love this idea that somebody said, well, basically every Sunday is a family reunion. Every Sunday is a chance to be with our brothers and sisters in Christ. So welcome to the family the family of God. We've been doing this journey through uh, First Thessalonians, and just for those that weren't here in previous weeks, just to give you that quick uh, background to this passage, uh, we know that Paul, Timothy, and Silas went into Macedonia to preach the gospel. When I've looked at this before and studied it, it was really mind-boggling to me in recent years that the reality of them breaking into Macedonia was a major shift for the gospel of Jesus Christ. They had spread the gospel where they were comfortable. They had spread the gospel for where they knew the area, the region. But going into Macedonia was a brand new area where the gospel had never been brought and never preached. And they were willing to go into unknown territory. And the first strategic, they did it very strategically, the first strategic town that they hit was Philippi. And when they hit Philippi, they found some persecution. And so they had to leave. And when they left, they came to Thessalonica. And they only spent three weeks there. But we talked already about the fact that in Thessalonica, they received this wonderful reception. People were getting saved. And it was exciting. And so there's this baby church that is birthed, only three weeks old. Can you imagine now? All just finding out about Jesus. All accepting Jesus And it's just three weeks is exciting, but there's no grounding, very little teaching, very little understanding. And then in the dark of the night, they have to flee for their lives again. Because Jason, who had uh, even taken Paul and his company into his house, came under persecution. And they realized it wasn't safe, so they left in, in the dark of night. You can find that in Acts chapter 17. And so that's the background to this letter. So now what we're getting is we've been reading the first letter that Paul is sending to this group of believers, his family of God in Thessalonica.
1: And one of the amazing
0: things about this is Paul is the theologian, and Paul is the evangelist, and Paul is the missionary. We read that throughout the Gospels. But what we read here is Paul the spiritual father. What we hear here in this letter is Paul's heart. His passion and compassion for the church. And so that's why uh, First Thessalonians is really uh, this picture of a model church in a hostile world. So it's not saying that things were going great. Actually, they were going quite the opposite. But there was great love and concern for this family of God. And so we're going to look at those points today that just help with that, that we can see in what we heard already read by Maggie. First of all, we see there's great concern, and we can learn from that. There's this concern that although the family is out of sight, it is not out of mind. What's one of the dangers of a pandemic when we're all separated is if we're not careful, we think about ourselves and our own personal earthly families, and we can forget about each other. The truth of it is, even when we've said this as, as pastors, we might be the church scattered, but one day we will again be gathered. We're still the church, Even when we were put in situations where we were alone by ourselves, we are still the church, and we have to show great concern for each other as we've seen that Paul did this. In verse 17, he uses that term, the family. One of the metaphors that Paul uses for the church is family. And I could have spent a lot of time thinking about that this morning. We don't have time for that. What does that mean for us? What does that look like? What's your family like? And what does that mean for the church? But one thing he says here in verse 17, he was torn away. The actual word that he uses there is like a child being torn from a mother's arms. He also uses that term, he feels orphaned. I know some of us, in the midst of not being able to worship together, we felt somewhat orphaned, didn't we? And and so I I remember the story for Pastor Mike and I, a time where we felt we were torn from those that we loved. Uh, We were uh, in Bible school in Germany and nearby. Uh, We planted a church in Schaffhausen, Switzerland. So we were studying and planting the church at the same time. And uh, it was interesting because we uh, were there five years uh, on student visas. The church would have been about four years old. Uh, We had started in an apartment. There was about 30, 35 of us that gathered in an apartment. And then that... Church began to grow. We had to go to a nearby hotel and we used their conference room. And it was just, it was exciting to be around that church. They were all young. We were the oldest ones in the church, except for another couple. And it, they were exciting days and great love, and, and it was just amazing. And then the news came we had to leave. We had hoped that after our student visas in Germany, because we had this church, that they would allow us to stay in Switzerland. And they said, no, you, you can't stay in Switzerland. You have to leave now. And uh, we had gone to Europe because we had planned to minister in Italy. And we did that. Then we got in our little Subaru van. <laughs> our family of, of, of two teens and, well, at that point, one little one. It wasn't four yet because the fourth was born in Italy. One on the way. One on the way <laughs> <laughs> as we traveled. And we packed up what little we could and shipped it down And down we went to Milan, Italy. Why do I tell you that story? We wept. We wept with that church when we had to leave. They wept. They actually traveled down a few times to visit us and we would weep. And that whole five-hour, six-hour trip down, we wept. And so I can understand this great love that the Apostle Paul had for this church and how hard it was. And this idea of being orphaned, being ripped away, and so we see this that he's saying that. Uh, there's a couple words he puts here that's quite interesting. Uh, word pictures. He talks about a roadblock. He says the enemy has put a roadblock, preventing us from getting together. Well, man, <laughs> COVID has been a major roadblock. Now I don't know if we want to put the enemy on that, but the enemy could use it, right? And and so this roadblock, the enemy was preventing them from coming together and. There's this idea that Paul is having to go further south than Macedonia to preach the word, but his heart is desiring to go north back to see the Thessalonians. And he can't go because of persecution. And so the enemy has put this roadblock. And I want to challenge you this morning, if we're not careful, the pandemic comes and there will be a day when the pandemic will be over. But if we're not careful, the enemy can use this time... To get us to a place where we just say there's a roadblock, and we can't do it. And I want to challenge you today that anytime we see a roadblock that the enemy puts up, we need to push through it, we need to climb over it, we need to do what we need to do to have a breakthrough. And not just to say, oh well, the enemy has just put that in front of us. And so even today, those that are listening in live, Uh, they are connected with us live, and the fact that they have even taken the time this morning, though they can't be with us physically, that they are connected in virtually. And those that will watch later, we are saying, you know what? The enemy is not going to keep us from the family of God. We're going to stay connected. We're going to pray for one another. We're going to continue to work at what it takes to worship the Lord together. The other word picture that we heard read was this says that they're his crown and many people think well that's a royal crown but it's not it's a victor's crown it's that laurel and he's saying to them the Thessalonians in this letter although we're not together you are my crown you are my victor's crown when the fight is over when everything is said and done and I stand before Jesus he says you're my crown what glory you bring to me And so we see in this passage there is this reality of Paul's concern for the Thessalonians. And be reassured of our concern as your pastors. But it's not just that. God is calling us to be concerned for one another. To care for one another. Now concern can be one thing, but cost is another. And we see that it comes at great cost. Welcome to the family. But when we care for one another, it comes with sacrifice. And you see that in verses 1 to 5 that was read in chapter 3. See, concern is one thing. We can say, I'm I'm concerned about you. Uh, I'll pray for you. It's another thing when I'm willing to pay the cost and sacrifice. that's what families do for each other. Just watch weddings. (laughs) Just watch the preparation for a wedding and watch the family sacrifice All that they need to do to help that couple have a beautiful and wonderful day. And uh, it shows you that families sacrifice for each other. And so in this verse it says, when they could stand it no longer, they sent Timothy back. See, they're worried about this young church. And, you know, here it is dangerous, right? We know it's dangerous. They fled at night for their lives. And they sit down together and the three of them decide they're going to send Timothy, young Timothy So they're not even knowing if Timothy is going to be okay, if he'll be arrested, if he'll be accosted, but they decide, they all count at the cost, and they decide they're going to send Timothy back to that young church. And so as they go back to that young church, we have to ask ourselves, why Timothy? Well, Timothy had a Greek father, and because Timothy had a Greek father, he could probably blend in a bit better, And, and he could get back to the church Paul was fearful for the Thessalonians. They're only three weeks new in the faith. Have they been swept off course? He knew he left at night and there was persecution. Have they thrown in the towel? Have they given up? Have they remained loyal to Christ and the cause of Christ? Or have they turned their back and compromised? You see, for Paul, faith is twofold. Apostle Paul. One is that personal experience with Jesus Christ. I put my faith in Christ. He is my Lord and Savior. When he died on the cross for my sins, I've accepted that wonderful free gift. And I put my faith in his death, in his resurrection, in his ascension, and his return. He is my Lord, my Savior, my God. We all should be able to point to that time. Right? We all should be able to point to that time when we have said, Yes, Lord, you are my Lord, my Savior. Not just Lord and Savior of the world, but you are my Lord, my Savior, my King. But for Paul, it's not just that. Paul says there's also this aspect of faithfulness. So I have my personal experience with Jesus Christ, my faith. But then faith also means my faithfulness. I'm speaking again to the choir today because you're faithful because you're here sitting in the pew. But it's my daily journey with Jesus Christ. That faith, my faithfulness that Paul is concerned about here. Oh, the Thessalonians are young, new Christians. And back in the day when Paul was with them, they accepted Christ as their Lord and Savior. But what now, after weeks later, after persecution, have they remained What about their loyalty? What about their allegiance? That's what Paul is up at night worrying about. Now, not faithless worry, but the concern of a father. Any fathers spend some sleepless nights worrying about your kids? The faith of a spiritual father caring about his responsibility through the night. You know, I'll tell you, it's in times of difficulty that the enemy will begin to whisper questions to us. The enemy will try to get us to compromise. The the enemy will try, try to get us to shrink back. Oh, we accepted Jesus. He's our Lord and Savior. But the place that we get tested, the place where we get temptation come knocking at the door, is whether we're going to remain faithful. Whether we're going to shrink back. Whether we're going to compromise. And so we see this great cost that they send young Timothy back. We see this wonderful consolation that happens because Timothy doesn't just go, but Timothy comes back and that's verses 6 to 8, and so welcome to the family, a family that longs to be reunited, and what's so exciting is Timothy says, oh, they love to be with you too, they miss you, they want to be with you, and you know what, they are suffering, they're going through great difficulty, but they have not lost the faith, they are doing well in Christ. Remember that first Sunday I shared the story of uh, uh, um, Albania where the church of the Nazarene first started and, and the missionaries had to leave because of persecution. And six months later they went in and they thought the church was going to be gone and the church actually flourished. That's what God wants for us in the midst of a pandemic. Do you understand that? That God wants our church right now, even in a pandemic, to flourish. That's his desire for us. And so, that was such good news, and it brought great joy, and it's so good to receive joy and good news in people's lives, and uh, in, in sometimes the worst of times, it encourages us. It's good to share our testimonies, it's good for us to share what God is doing in our hearts and lives despite this pandemic. I would love to be able, every Sunday, to put a family or an individual up behind this pulpit and tell us what God has been doing in your life in the midst of this pandemic. So now you've been fair warned. You let me know if you want to share a testimony in the weeks to come. I think it would be so powerful for us to share what we've been learning. What God's done in our hearts and lives. uh, Every week to hear from somebody. Because that's really the beauty of this. That we console one another. We encourage one another. Paul probably received this good news in Corinth. Remember the letters to Corinth? Remember the difficulties in the church in Corinth, the hard work, not the easiest place to do the work of God, and then he gets news, Timothy shows up and he gets news, yeah it's hard right now Paul here, but guess what God is doing in Thessalonica? And I'm sure it would have given Paul in that moment the joy that he needed to continue on in the faith. I think we really do need to encourage one another in these days, maybe more than ever. uh, We need to really share what God is doing. And and we need to share too if we're facing difficulty, if we're going through times of testing or temptation. I think we need to be uh, real with each other and share that. The last thing we see is this great commitment verses, the last few verses there, 9 to 13. Welcome to the family, a family who are willing to suffer one for the other. It says that Paul agonized in prayer day and night for this church. It, it isn't just this nice, God bless you and go in peace, but it's this agonizing heart for these believers. And One of the first things he does in verse 9 to 10 is he has wonderful thanksgiving. He's praising them. He's blessing them. He's encouraging them. Do you know, I think there was a big mistake sometimes in the church where there was this attitude, oh, heaven forbid we can never thank anyone or encourage anyone because it might go through their head. They should be doing it only for Jesus. Well, yeah, we do it for Jesus. That's our main reason for why we do what we do. But a little encouragement and a little bit of thanksgiving can go a long way. And so before Paul even in this letter starts to give them instructions, he spends half of his letter encouraging them and thanking God for them. And so we want to encourage one another and thank each other for all that we do for Christ and for the body of Christ here. Thank each other for our friendship and the prayers and the support. We shouldn't take, one thing we've all learned from COVID is we shouldn't take each other for granted. We shouldn't take it for granted that we actually get to sit in a pew and worship together on a Sunday. So it's this attitude of thanksgiving, and then he has a prayer for them. And as we see that prayer, that's those last three verses, 11 to 13. Paul gives thanks and rejoices, and then he prays. You know, we do a lot more for the body of Christ if we would give thanks and rejoice and pray. Right? Give thanks, rejoice, and pray. And so we see this here. He prays that God will open a way for them to be reunited. If there's one thing that Pastor Mike and I are praying, we're looking forward to the day, when it won't be just those listening in online, but we can all be united. Now, I know we wait for that great day when we can all be reunited and be reunited with those that have gone on before us, that have run the race, that are faithful. But I'm longing for the day that we can actually be reunited in the body of Christ. In worship. I had a potluck again. Remember our great dinner, Daryl, that we had just weeks, not even maybe a week before all this happened. And I look back and I think, Lord, I'm looking forward to that good turkey dinner again. And we'll let Daryl be the cook. <laughs> well, it was cold place. But the potato salad was really good too. <laughs> I've never seen turkey in hand, right? I've never seen so much potato salad in all my life. Um, but it was a wonderful time. of I'm longing for those days again of great fellowship. When we can go up and hug each other. And even shake hands with somebody. And, and you know we're longing for that aren't we? And so we see that Paul is praying for that day when they can be reunited. And let's continue each one of us to pray for that day. When we can be reunited in that way. He prays that they will be empowered to live the life of love. Oh, it's easy to love those who love us, but to love no matter what. To love our brothers and sisters in Christ, even when we don't agree with them. To love those outside, when we don't even appreciate their lifestyle. That we pray for each other, that we would know the love of Christ personally and would share it abroad. What did Jesus say? They will know that we are his disciples by the love we have for each other And then he prays for the second coming of Christ. I thought about that. You know, I don't necessarily I feel a burden for that, but I haven't prayed that way, and I should as a pastor, but I think we should pray that way for each other. That at the second coming of Christ, you can stand in righteousness blameless before Christ. He says, shameless, no shame. That you would have no regrets. If Jesus was coming today, you could stand before him with no regrets. Wow. That's a powerful prayer, to pray for each other. That's our desire. See, it's not just a desire for me to get there. It's not just a desire for my earthly family to get there. It's my responsibility and your responsibility to pray for each other, that we're all standing there on that day, shameless.
1: But we also should be
0: having a burden that those neighbors around us and people we work with and our children and our children's children and that, not that I just pray for my kids and my grandkids and great grandkids but I begin to pray for yours and you pray for mine. We have a burden to pray with each other that on that great day all of us will stand before Jesus with no shame because we have fought the good fight that we have kept the faith So, in conclusion, if you do say amen, Paul loved the Thessalonians dearly, and they loved him too, and they were family, and they longed to be with each other, although they were going through a difficult time and suffering. And so there's some questions to end and ask ourselves personally, and even corporately this morning. Do we climb over every obstacle the enemy tries to put in front of us, that keep us separated from each other?
1: Do we long to be in
0: each other's presence and together? Do we love each other fervently? Do we care about each other so much that we are willing to invest in each other's faith journey? It's not just about me making it, but you too. How are we at rejoicing and being thankful for each other and sharing that with one another? What sacrifices are we willing to make for our family, the family of God? Do we really pray and desire that each one will stand together blameless before Christ? And are we willing to invest in that, in each other? See, there's some pretty hard questions there this morning. So, here's the question that's been all over the internet. Different speakers have been talking about what about the church and COVID. What's going to happen to the church after COVID? Right now, uh, presently, uh, numbers again that they've done, and I guess again it's stateside because they're the ones that take the numbers. We don't have so much of that in Canada. Is they've been saying that somewhere between 25% to 60% have returned to church or will return to church. So they're basically projecting right now that that after this is over, there's going to be a major fallout in churches. Uh, we knew of some churches that were struggling even before this, and so our hearts are heavy for them, and we need to be praying for them because we're really wondering what's going to happen with them now that this has happened. So we have to ask some of these hard questions. As pastors and leaders of the church, but we need to ha- ask some of these hard questions to each other. I-, I believe if we are not going to just survive COVID, remember the first Sunday? I didn't say that. I believe God wants us to thrive. If we're going to thrive through COVID, it will take a deeper commitment to God, but it will also take a bigger commitment to each other. That's how the church the Elmsdale Church of the Nazarene will survive and thrive through COVID. And so I'm glad I'm a part of the family of God. Amen? Okay. You're still glad you're a part of the family of God? Yes. Amen. Bill and Gloria Gator are faithful members of a local church in Alexandria. Pastor Mike is going to come and get ready. We're not going to sing this song. We're going to sing another one because I know how you'd want to sing this song. So we're not singing it, but we're going to go over it. They tell their story how this wonderful song, I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God, was written. I don't know if you've heard the story, but what happened was they are a part of Alexandria, Indiana. We actually went to that area to see, uh, they've got a store and a shop and all kinds of stuff uh, in Indiana. And even though they're on the road a lot and traveling, they are connected to a church in Alexandria, Indiana. That's their home church. And so as a young family, and there, there was a young family in the congregation, Ron and Darlene Garner, and their three children, they inspired actually the writing of this wonderful uh, song. As Gloria tells the story, she says it was the Saturday after Good Friday that Ron went in for work at a garage where he was serving as a mechanic. He was making up time that he had lost the previous Thursday because he had to take his little girl in for tests who had anticipated heart surgery. Now, think about this family, what they're already going through, right? While Ron was working with combustible material, there was an explosion. He managed to crash his way through the large double doors before the uh, building blew up, but he was badly, severely burned over most of his body. Ron was alive but was not expected, like most that go through those kinds of burns, not expected to make it through the night. Within minutes, a chain of telephone calls alerted the family of God, and the whole church began to pray for Ron. Little groups, bigger groups, in homes, at the church, over the phones. The church building was kept open. The lights burned all through the night as a steady stream of folks who cared and loved came to talk to Jesus about this young father. Easter morning, the sun rose on a sanctuary filled with bleary-eyed congregation. The pastor came with a report from the hospital. Ron has outlived the deadline. He made it through the night. The doctor says he has a chance. For the body of Christ, that news was better than eight hours of sleep and a good breakfast. New life was infused into all of us. Tears of praise and joy began to flow. And our hope and gratitude poured itself into the glorious songs of Easter. Jesus lives, and because he lives, we too shall live. With the words of victory, we pledged ourselves. Here's the cost: To what would lie ahead, help with the children, many long trips to the hospital, blood for transfusions, money. Meals sent, months of support while the healing process went on for this young family. On our way home from church that morning, Gloria says, Bill and I were so full of the beauty of it all that we could hardly speak. But they do the same thing for us because we're a part of the family. Not because we're worthy or had earned special privilege or because we were famous. Or were indispensable, but just because we were part of the family of God.
1: As I started
0: dinner, Bill sat down at the piano. It wasn't long before the magnetism of the chorus Bill was singing drew me from the kitchen to the piano, and we finished the song that was to feed us better than any food that evening. You know the words. I'm so glad I'm a part. Of the family of God. I've been washed in the fountain, cleansed by his blood, joint heirs with Jesus as we travel this sod. For I'm a part, I'm a part of the family of God. You will notice we say, brother and sister around here, it's because we're a family and these folks are so near. When one has a heartache, we share the tears and rejoice in each victory. In this family so dear. From the door of an orphanage to the house of the king, no longer an outcast, a new song I sing. From rags unto riches, from the weak to the strong, I'm not worthy to be here, but praise God, I belong.